tonight we continue uh, our series on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And this is part 20. And we will conclude um, the portion on the New Jerusalem and things which Nephi and uh, Joseph um, were shown about the events leading up to the second coming and the gathering out of Israel from the four corners of the earth. So in DNC 45, verses 66 through 75, and it shall be called the New Jerusalem, a land of peace, a city of refuge, a place of safety for the saints of the Most High God. And the glory of the Lord shall be there, and the terror of the Lord also shall be there, insomuch that the wicked will not come unto it, and it shall be called Zion. And it shall come to, to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take his sword against his neighbor must needs flee unto Zion for safety. So New Jerusalem is established before Christ comes in his glory. And it will be the one place of safety and refuge on the earth from the ravages of war. And as Isaiah puts it, the destruction of 90% of the earth's population by the king of Assyria and king of Babylon. Verse 69, and there shall be gathered unto it out of every nation under heaven, and it shall be the only people that shall not be at war one with another. And it shall be said among the wicked, let us go not up to battle against Zion, for the inhabitants of Zion are terrible, wherefore we cannot stand. And it shall come to pass that the righteous shall be gathered out from among all the nations, and shall come to Zion singing with songs of everlasting joy. And now I say unto you, keep these things from going abroad unto the world, until it is expedient in me that ye may accomplish this work in the eyes of the people and in the eyes of your enemies, that they may not know your works until ye have accomplished the thing which I have commanded you, that when they shall know it, that they may consider these things. For when the Lord shall appear, he shall be terrible unto them, that fear may seize upon them, and they shall stand afar off and tremble. And all nations shall be afraid because of the terror of the Lord and the power of his might. Even so, amen. And now in DNC 42. Verses 22 through 28. Thou shalt love thy wife with all thy heart and shalt cleave unto her and none else. That is the wrong scripture reference. Uh, DNC 49, verses 22 through 28. And again, verily I say unto you, that the Son of Man cometh not in the form of a woman, neither of a man traveling 
on the earth. Wherefore, be not deceived, but continue in steadfastness, looking forth for the heavens to be shaken and the earth to tremble and to reel to and fro as a drunken man, and for the valleys to be exalted, and for the mountains to be made low, and for the rough places to become smooth. And all this when the angel shall sound his trumpet. But before the great day of the Lord shall come, Jacob shall flourish in the wilderness, and the Lamanites shall blossom as the rose. Or in other words, there will be a missionary effort to recover the Lamanites, and the fullness of the gospel will be taught to them in power and authority, and Jacob shall be gathered in from the four quarters of the earth. 25. Zion shall flourish upon the hills and rejoice upon the mountains and shall be assembled together unto the place which I have appointed. Behold, I say unto you, go forth as I have commanded you. Repent of all your sins. Ask and ye shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Behold, I will go before you and be your rearward. And I will be in your midst and you shall not be confounded. Behold, I am Jesus Christ and I come quickly. Even so, amen. So the establishment of Zion actually happens on the beginning of the end time exodus, as is testified of in Isaiah. And verse 27, and I shall be in your midst. Well, as a cross-reference, DNC 103, speaking of the end time exodus. Verse 15, behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must be needs led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And in verse 20, but I say unto you, mine angel shall go up before you and also my presence. And in time, you shall possess the goodly land. And the reason that the presence of the Lord goes up before the people who are on the end time exodus is because they hearken to obey the commandments which he shall give unto them. And again, DNC 49 verse 27, behold, I will go before you and be your rearward and I will be in your midst and you shall not be confounded. Again, talking about the end-time exodus that culminates with meeting up with Enoch, the return of his city, and establishment of New Jerusalem. Now, in DNC 49, we have a response uh, of the Lord to Joseph Smith um, as a result of some shaker doctrine. Uh, Lehman Copley uh, was a former Shaker minister, and uh, there were many Shakers who came into the church. And like many of the other Protestant religions, they brought much of their doctrine with him. And so uh, much of DNC 49 is setting straight uh, much false Shaker doctrine that has come into you know, the church. And one of them is that Christ had already come and 
is, you know, a woman walking upon the earth. And, you know, the Lord says, this is not true. And if anybody comes to you and says that the Lord has already returned, you know, meaning in his glory, you know, believe him not for all the world shall see and all the world shall know. Now, another aspect that the Lord corrects of the false doctrine of the shakers is in verse 18. And whoso forbiddeth to abstain from meats, that man should not eat the same, is not ordained of God. So, uh, you know, shakers were strict vegetarians. And um, despite how we have misinterpreted DNC 89, you know, the Lord does not command that we should not eat meat. Um, if we look at the context in which DNC 89 was given, uh, Joseph um, took the temp the credo of the temperance movement of his day, you know, and, you know, aided by the spirit, uh, you know, clothed it in the words of DNC 89. And, you know, the word of wisdom is not a specific revelation. It's a type of revelation, the type of revelation where you take the best wisdom and understanding of your day and apply the spirit to it. And an interesting uh, note, because of the very poor meat preservation uh, methods of that day, there were more soldiers in the Civil War who died from botulism than actually on the battlefield. Um, verse 19. For behold, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and that which cometh of the earth is ordained for the use of man, for food and for raiment, and that he might have in abundance. The, the whole point of DNC 89 is really tied up in verse 4. So if we go to DNC 89, which is the, the section on the word of wisdom, um, which is an example of a word of wisdom revelation. Verse 4 says, But behold, verily thus saith the Lord unto you, in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarned you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation. So, um, the designs of evil and conspiring men in Joseph Smith's day uh, were that they sought to poison the saints uh, through the use of their sacramental wine. Um, now, in our day, we have a completely different set of evil and conspiring men who are seeking to destroy not only God's people, but the people of the whole earth through the food that they eat. And in a future Zoom cast, you know, we will focus on, um, you know, the evil and conspiring men of our day and the 
how they have designed and engineered much of our food supply and other things that go into and on our bodies to make us sick and to destroy us. And so the whole point of DNC 89 is that we be aware of these designs of evil and conspiring men that live in our day, which are vastly different from Joseph Smith's day. And that we take not these poisons into or put them upon our bodies because the physical and the spiritual are interconnected and the condition of our body affects the condition of our spirit. DNC 133, starting in verse one, hearken, O ye people of my church, saith the Lord, your God, and hear the word of the Lord concerning you. The Lord, who shall suddenly come to his temple, the Lord who shall come down upon the world with a curse to judgment, yet upon all the nations that forget God, and upon all the ungodly among you. Again, this revelation is not pertaining to Joseph Smith's first ministry, but to his second. And, you know, Jesus Christ will suddenly come to his temple, not one of the temples that was built during Joseph Smith's day, not the Kirtland or Nauvoo, but this is talking about the temples in New Jerusalem. And, um, you know, that is the second major pillar of the uh, winding up scenes that lead into Christ coming in his glory. You know, the first major pillar being Adam on Diamond. And, uh, you know, the second major pillar being Christ coming and visiting his people in New Jerusalem. And I guess the midway point between those two pillars is the beginning of the end time exodus, where Joseph Smith Jr. leads out the strength of the Lord's house um, on the eve of destruction and begins those great missionary efforts, which are called in, you know, especially, you know, Book of Mormon, uh, marvelous work and wonder, gathering out of Israel from the four quarters of the earth. So, you know, God is literally speaking to us today, and DNC 133 was a revelation that is to be fulfilled in our generation. For he shall make bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. Again, we have Isaiah imagery. Making bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations is a metaphor of the Lord's end time servant. And that before Christ comes in his glory, the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ will be taken to all the peoples of the whole earth who qualify for deliverance from destruction. And that every man, woman, and child who qualifies for deliverance from destruction will have the opportunity to hear the fullness of the gospel preached to them by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And again, these missionary efforts begin uh, at the time of the end time exodus, where the first missionary effort, as we're going to be reading later tonight, is to the Lamanites. And... This begins after the separation of the wheat and tares among Latter-day Saints and among all the peoples of the branches of the Restoration 
who have access to the fullness of the scriptures. And after the strength of the Lord's house has been gathered out from among the Latter-day Saints, you know, then the end time exodus starts. The fullness of the gospel is taken to the Lamanites and then to all the peoples of the world. For he shall make bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of their God. Again, we have reference to the end time servant and the carrying forth of the fullness of the gospel. And it's being taught in power and authority to all peoples of the earth. Wherefore prepare ye, prepare ye, O my people, sanctify yourselves, gather ye together, O ye people of my church, upon the land of Zion, all you that have not been commanded to tarry. So, if we cross-reference this with DNC 101, verse 55, and again, DNC 101 is about how Zion is redeemed after its fall, which you know really culminated at the death of Joseph Smith. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, and as we read in DNC 103, this is Joseph Smith Jr. in his second ministry, go and gather together the residue of my servants and take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle age also among all my servants, who are the strength of my house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry. Now, these who are appointed to tarry are those who have been translated, you know, including John the Revelator and the three Nephites. And so if we go back to DNC 133, verse 4 again, Wherefore, prepare ye, prepare ye my people, sanctify yourselves. Now, to get the full context of what the Lord is saying by sanctify yourselves, we'll cross-reference to DNC 84. And in DNC 84, verse 23, Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. So what we're getting in DNC 133 is that we are to receive the same sanctification that Moses, uh, during his ministry, and Joseph Smith, during his first ministry, sought to sanctify the people with, which is the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is what prepares a man, a woman, or a people to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. If we cross-reference 3 Nephi chapter 9. Verse 20, you know, Christ himself uh, proclaims the new and everlasting covenant. And again, a covenant is comprised of two oaths. And in a covenant with God, there is uh, the oath of a person or the people, and then the oath of God. And the oath of that we are required to make is given in the Beginning of verse 20, and ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now, the terms of a broken heart and contrite spirit, you know, we have some information given to us in scripture about what that means. But the lion's share of what that means can only be received by revelation. And it is unique to each individual 
And so it's only as we come unto God in prayer and express our desire to enter into this covenant and make the sacrifice and request that he reveal to us by revelation the terms of this covenant that we might fully enter into it and live it with integrity. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, and the way that we come unto him with a broken heart and contrite spirit is, you know, once we have expressed to, you know, Father, our desire to make the sacrifice and to receive the terms of the sacrifice by revelation, he will reveal the terms of the sacrifice unto us. And it is the degree to which we are true and faithful in heeding, uh, the terms of the covenant, which he will reveal to us, that determines um, if and when we're able to come unto God with a broken heart and contrite spirit. And then it says, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Um, which, as we find out in DNC 76 verse 52, is a priesthood ordinance. And it is not what happens when we're confirmed a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it is the most critical ordinance that we can receive in this life. Because it's through this ordinance that we actually become sons and daughters of Christ. As Christ uh, you know, states in verse 17 of 3 Nephi chapter 9, And as many as have received me to them have I given to become the sons of God. And to receive Christ, uh, Christ tells us exactly how we're to do that, and that's to offer the new sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit in verse 20. So back in DNC 133, verse 4, Wherefore prepare ye, prepare ye, O my people, sanctify yourselves. Or in other words, enter uh, into the new and everlasting covenant by offering up as a sacrifice your broken hearts and your contrite spirits that you might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy ghost and be prepared to enter into the rest of the Lord by continuing on that path. Gather ye together. O ye people of my church. Now the church that he is talking about is the church of Christ. And the church of Christ is the terrestrial order of the gospel. It's that order of the gospel that was originally restored to Joseph Smith in 1829. And that we had among the saints from 1829 to 1834, when it was taken from us because of our refusal to enter into the new covenant in the book of Mormon, offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost. But as we, you know, read in DNC 101 verse 55, that Joseph Smith in his second ministry would come and restore this terrestrial order of the gospel back to the earth before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that the work of the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house would commence. And that gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house is the gathering out of those who have entered into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and are diligently seeking after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And this, and, you know, once 
one receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, you know, one becomes uh, the people of my church. And, you know, one can even become the people of Christ's church uh, before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's through receiving the ordinance of baptism by water, by one who holds authority in the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, just as Christ restored to the Nephites in 3rd Nephi chapter 11. And in 3rd Nephi chapter 11, even though Nephi has been going forth and has been baptizing with water for years, as we read in 3rd Nephi chapter 1 and 3rd Nephi chapter 7, when Christ comes in 3rd Nephi 11 verse 18, and it came to pass that he spake unto Nephi, for Nephi was among the multitude, and he commanded him that he should come forth. And Nephi arose and went forth and bowed himself before the Lord and to kiss his feet. And the Lord commanded him that he should arise, and he arose and stood before him. And the Lord said unto him, I give unto you power that ye shall baptize this people when I am again ascended unto heaven. Because in 3 Nephi chapter 1 and 3 Nephi chapter 7, Nephi is baptizing under the authority of the Aaronic priesthood into the preparatory gospel. Now that Christ comes, he has restored again to the Nephites that which had been taken from them, just as it had been taken from the saints under Joseph Smith in 1834, the fullness of the gospel, and they were demoted to the preparatory gospel. But when Christ comes, he restores again the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, which is the order of the priesthood that presides and officiates in the terrestrial church of Christ. And as he is giving Nephi this uh, Melchizedek priesthood um, authority, he now has a commandment to go and to baptize the people uh, not into the preparatory gospel as he had done before, but now into the terrestrial church of Christ. And once the people have been baptized with water into the terrestrial church of Christ, they're now officially members of the church of Christ, uh, even before receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Going back to DNC 133, again, continuing in verse 4. Oh, my people. Now, before we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we covenant that we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ. But it isn't until the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that Christ adopts us as his sons and his daughters. And in so doing, after receiving permission from Father, as we read in 3 Nephi chapter 19, um, after he receives permission from Father, then the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost can be performed. And then Christ adopts us as his sons and daughters and extends his name to us. And for the first time, we are able not only to covenant that we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ, but we are actually able to take upon us the name of Christ. And so, wherefore prepare ye, prepare ye, O my people, Sanctify yourselves, gather ye together, O ye people of my church, upon the land of Zion, all you that have not been commanded to tarry. Okay, so again, this is talking about Joseph Smith in his second ministry as the fullness of the gospel is taken by um, the other servants um, who begin the work of the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's houses is outlined in DNC 101.55 in preparation for Joseph Smith coming again on the scene and commencing the end time exodus. 
Go ye out from Babylon. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Um, so, you know, again, this has reference that God wants his people to enter into covenant with them and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, and as we are able to take his name upon us, and then as he endows us with his spirit, we become the vessels of the Lord. And go ye out from Babylon. You know, this has two references. Before the start of the end time exodus, the Lord wants to get our hearts out of Babylon, that we may worship only the true and living God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And anything that we set our hearts upon, you know, other than, you know, God and Jesus Christ becomes an idol to us. And almost all of us have idols that we need to displace and throw far from us. And we, we need to ask father to show unto us our idols and help us eliminate them or help us eliminate placing our hearts upon them that we might worship the only true and living God. And as, as Nephi points out, uh, one of the major idols of the Latter-day Saint people is our traditions and especially false traditions that been, have been handed to us and that we do not exercise discernment and specifically discernment about those who do and those who do not speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And that too often we receive as doctrine uh, the words of those who speak and write not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost versus you know, those who do. And that as the end time servant, Joseph Smith Jr., and the servants, the first laborers in the last kingdom, as they return and begin the ministry and the work of gathering out the strength of the Lord's house, that their words, even though they are spoken by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, will be rejected in favor of those who do not. Once we have cast far from us our idols, as Heavenly Father helps show them to us because we have many blind spots and we're usually not fully aware of all of our idols. But once Father shows them to us and we are able to displace them as idols to us. Um, and, you know, through entering into the new covenant and offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit, we become clean before him um, through the exact same way that the children of Israel were to be sanctified in preparation to enter into the rest of the Lord, which is through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse six, call your solemn assemblies and speak often to one another and let every man call upon the name of the Lord. So um, every in the parable of the redemption of Zion, um, a tower is talked of. And in Oliver Cowdery's uh, Apostolic Commission to the Twelve, called in 1835 to the Telestial Preparatory uh, Gospel, called to that church office, he said, and I paraphrase, you have come this far based on other men's testimonies. Now you are to part the veil, see the face of God, and be ordained by Jesus Christ. 
And this is the path of ascension. This is building the tower. This was the whole purpose of Joseph Smith's message. At the end of the King Follett Discourse, Joseph Smith says that his main mission throughout his 14-year ministry has been the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. In fact, that's why we come under condemnation as a church in 1832, as recorded in DNC 84. It's because our rejection of the new and everlasting covenant, the very mechanism or covenant through which we might become Christ's sons and his daughters and be sanctified and prepared to enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. That every man might call upon the name of the Lord. So, um, you know, prophets are sent not to point us to them, but only to point to Jesus Christ and show us that it's possible to build the tower or it's possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord. Yea, verily I say unto you again, the time has come when the voice of the Lord is unto you. Go ye out from Babylon, gather ye out from among the nations, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, again, talking about this end-time exodus, which Joseph Smith will lead on the eve of destruction. Verse 8, send forth the elders of my church unto the nations which are afar off, unto the islands of the sea, send forth unto foreign lands, call upon all nations, first upon the Gentiles, and then upon the Jews. So, the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house commences first among the members of the branches of the restoration, primarily among the Latter-day Saints. And then goes from there to all of the peoples of the whole earth. And, you know, these elders that are talked about that are to go forth and bear this witness um, are talked about in DNC 101, again in verse 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Go and gather together the residue of my servants. So it's these, the residue of the servants who return with Joseph Smith who in DNC 88 are called the first labors in the last kingdom. And also all of those who have desires to serve God um, for with the return of Joseph Smith is the restoration of the apostolic order of the Melchizedek priesthood. And thus the opening of a new dispensation. And with that restoration, we have again the restoration of the Melchizedek priesthood to men upon the earth. And, you know, it's now possible to again have elders who are called to take the fullness of the gospel and gather out first the strength of the Lord's house. And then um, all of those who receive the doctrine of Christ from the four corners of the earth. Verse 8, send forth the elders of my church unto the nations, which are afar off, unto the islands of the sea. Send forth unto foreign lands. Call upon all nations, first upon the Gentiles and also upon the Jews. Again, this is with the commencement of the end time exodus. And behold, and lo, this shall be their cry, and the voice of the Lord unto all people. Go ye forth unto the land of Zion, that the borders of my people may be enlarged and that her stakes may be strengthened, and that Zion may go forth unto the regions round about. And let the cry go forth among all people, awake and arise, and go forth to meet the bridegroom. Behold, and lo, the bridegroom cometh. 
Go ye out to meet him. Prepare yourselves for the great day of the Lord. And, you know, it's that preparation of taking the Holy Spirit as our guide that is the primary preparation to meet the bridegroom. As we read in, you know, the Doctrine and Covenants, to become a wise virgin is to take the Holy Spirit as our guide. Therefore, we find the truth and are not deceived. And it is this process of taking the Holy Spirit as our guide. Um, this is the process of offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit and receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour. Let them, therefore, who are among the Gentiles, flee unto Zion. And let them who be of Judah flee unto Jerusalem, unto the mountains of the Lord's house. Go ye out from among the nations, even from Babylon, from the midst of wickedness, which is spiritual Babylon. Now, in, in Isaiah's terms, the mountain of the Lord's house is unto that nation which is established, um, which is Zion. And so this is talking about um, New Jerusalem. And after New Jerusalem is established, uh, then Old Jerusalem will also be reestablished for the gathering of the Jews. And the mountain of the Lord's house also has another meaning. If we go to Moses, chapter 1, the words of God, verse 1, which he spake unto Moses at a time when Moses was caught up to an exceedingly high mountain. Now, this mountain that Moses was caught up to was not an earthly mountain, uh, but the heavenly mountain, that place in the heavens where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory. And at that time, Moses had his calling and election made sure. He was sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, as is talked about in DNC 76. And in DNC 76, verse 53, and 53 is after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, in verse 52. And whoso overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true, they are they who are the church of the firstborn. Well, this overcoming by faith is after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, feasting upon the words of Christ, which show us all things what we should do to do exactly what Moses did and exactly what Joseph Smith did, which is to be taken up to the high mountain of the seventh heaven, enter into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, and there have him seal upon us our calling election or to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And then we become members of the church of the firstborn. And this is, you know, also what verse 12 has reference to in DNC 133. Let them, therefore, who are among the Gentiles flee unto Zion, and let them who be of Judah flee unto Jerusalem, unto the mountains of the Lord's house. For if we are to enter New Jerusalem, we must first enter into the church of the firstborn, 
we must receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and ascend to the high heavenly mountain and have our calling elections made sure. And this is going to be greatly facilitated during the end time exodus, because those on the end time exodus who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then qualify for one of the 144,000 to work with them and help them ascend one more level to the church of the firstborn level and thus be qualified to enter into New Jerusalem as soon as it is established and as soon as one is gathered to it. Now, as a cross-reference, let's go to DNC 77. In DNC 77, verse 11, what are we to understand by the sealing of the 144,000 out of all the tribes of Israel, 12,000 out of every tribe? We are to understand that those who are sealed are high priests, ordained unto the holy order of God. You know, the holy order of God is, you know, those who have, you know, been ordained to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood by father. And, you know, when that priesthood is sealed upon a man, you know, then he ascends to this spiritual level of, you know, seraphim or 144,000. And it is their job to gather out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people by the angels to whom is given power over the nations of the earth to bring as many as will come to the church of the firstborn. So in reading that answer again in DNC 77 verse 11, we are to understand that those who are sealed are high priests ordained unto the holy order of God to administer the everlasting gospel. For they are they who are ordained out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people by the angels to whom is given power over the nations of the earth to bring as many as will come to the church of the firstborn. So now going back to DNC 133. Having that context, verses 12 and 13, again, let them, therefore, who are among the Gentiles flee unto Zion, and let them who be of Judah flee unto Jerusalem, unto the mountains of the Lord's house. Go ye out from among the nations, even from Babylon, from the midst of wickedness, which is spiritual Babylon. But verily thus saith the Lord, let not your flight be in haste, but let all things be prepared before you. And he that goeth, let him not look back, lest sudden destruction shall come upon him. So, you know, do the work of casting out the idols of your heart now, that you may not be drawn back into Babylon as you are called to go out on the end time exodus, that you will not only be willing but able to go and to abide the Lord's presence you know, as he comes to his people in that end time exodus. Verse 16, hearken and hear, O ye inhabitants of the earth. Listen, ye elders of my church together and hear the voice of the Lord. For he calleth upon all men and he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now, Book of Mormon prophets tell us exactly how we are to repent. And it means more than just asking for forgiveness of our sins and turning away from them. In addition to that, it also means offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. 
um, that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and be numbered among God's people, even the house of Israel. Now, these words uh, were spoken by Christ as he prophesies to the Nephites in 3 Nephi chapter 16 of the restoration of the gospel and the rejection of the fullness of the gospel by the saints under Joseph Smith in verse 10. But uh, he alludes to the return of Joseph Smith and the restoration of the fullness of the gospel. And when the fullness of the gospel would be restored under the hands of Joseph Smith uh, in his second ministry, before the second coming of Jesus Christ, that the Gentiles, if they would receive the fullness of the gospel or enter into the new covenant and seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that that is how they are to repent and return and be numbered among God's people and therefore qualified to be the strength of the Lord's house and to be gathered out on the end time exodus and qualify for one of the 144,000 to work with them and help them ascend to the church of the firstborn so that they're ready to enter into New Jerusalem when they get there. 3 Nephi 16, verse 13. But if the Gentiles or members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will repent and return unto me, meaning that collectively we have left Jesus Christ because we have rejected the new covenant in the Book of Mormon of a broken heart, contrite spirit. Saith the Father, Behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. Well, one of the things that happens with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, is that we have the Gentile blood burned out of us, and we become blood Israel. So going back to DNC 133, verse 16. Hearken and hear, O ye inhabitants of the earth. Listen, ye elders of my church. Now, these are the elders who are ordained to the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, you know, after the return of Joseph Smith and the work of the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house commences for he calleth upon all men and he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Well, this is the message that those who have been ordained as elders take to the inhabitants of the earth. It's, it's the new covenant, you know, repent and return become Christ's sons and daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the doctrine of Christ. Verse 17, for behold, the Lord has sent forth the angel crying through the midst of heaven, saying, prepare ye, prepare ye the way of the Lord and maketh his path straight for the hour of his coming is nigh. When the lamb shall stand upon Mount Zion. Now in Mount Zion, uh, that term is used to refer to New Jerusalem. When the Lamb shall stand upon Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his Father's name written on their foreheads. Wherefore prepare ye for the coming of the bridegroom. Go ye out to meet him. Okay, now this is an important clarification. Most people think that the 144,000 begin their ministry before Christ comes in his glory. But most of them actually begin their ministry either at the time that Christ comes in his glory or thereafter. Um, because to begin that ministry requires um, all of the steps that are outlined 
in the path of ascension in DNC 76, you know, starting with verse 51. And verse 51 is baptism by water into the terrestrial order by the authority of the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood. Step number two, uh, receiving the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost of him who is ordained and sealed to this power or the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood. Uh, step three outlined in DNC 76 is... Uh, coming into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory and having one's calling and election made sure. The next step that is outlined is being ordained and sealed to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood and thereby becoming a king and a priest unto the Most High God. And then DNC 76 says, Now you're God little G, even under God big G. And this is the ascension level of those who are to become part of the 144,000. And there will be a few handfuls who reach this ascension level before Christ comes in his glory. But most who eventually reach this ascension level, that happens after Christ comes in his glory. And even if one reaches it before, as Joseph Smith did by 1843, um, because it did not comport with his mission at the time, even though he ascended to the level of a translated being, he was not yet translated. And thus it will be for most of those who ascend to the same level before Christ comes in his glory. They may ascend to that level, but that physical change will not take place until Christ comes in his glory. And, you know, those who ascend to that level uh, before Christ comes in his glory versus uh, those who eventually reach there after he comes in his glory and during the millennium, you know, that will be the lion's share. And whenever that physical change takes place, then one officially um, can commence um, that part of their mission uh, as part of the 144,000 and gathering out the elect and helping them ascend one more spiritual level, as we read in DNC 77, to the Church of the Firstborn, or helping them after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, do all that is required of them to part the veil and come into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. Verse 18 again. When the Lamb shall stand upon Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his Father's name written on their foreheads, and you know, this is talking about when the bridegroom has come or, you know, on that day when he comes in the fullness of his glory, you know, on that day, you know, those who have ascended that level will be caught up to come down with him. For behold, verse 20, he shall stand upon the Mount Olivet and upon the mighty ocean even the great deep and upon the islands of the sea and upon the land of Zion. And he shall utter his voice out of Zion and he shall speak from Jerusalem and his voice shall be heard among all peoples. Again, you know, this is talking about, um, you know, on that day, the, the culmination of the day of judgment, which is a period of several years when the days of great tribulation commence and culminate with Christ coming in his glory. In that day, 
again in verse 20, he shall stand upon uh, Mount Olivet and upon the mighty ocean, even the great deep, upon the islands of the sea and upon the land of Zion. And he shall utter his voice out of Zion and he shall speak from Jerusalem and his voice shall be heard among all people. And it shall be a voice as the voice of many waters and the voice of a great thunder and shall break down the mountains and the valleys shall not be found. And he shall command the great deep and it shall be driven back into the north countries and the islands shall become one land. All of this is taking place at the time of his coming in his glory. And the land of Jerusalem and the land of Zion shall be turned back into their own place. And the earth shall be like as it was in the days before it was divided. And the Lord, even the Savior, shall stand in the midst of his people and shall reign over all flesh. And they who are in the north countries shall come in remembrance before the Lord. And their prophets shall hear his voice and shall no longer stay themselves. And they shall smite the rocks, and the ice shall flow down at their presence. And a highway shall be cast up in the midst of the great deep. Their enemies shall become a prey unto them. So, you know, now we're stepping back um, to shortly before Christ shall come in his glory. And in the barren deserts, there shall come forth pools of living water, and the parched ground shall no longer be a thirsty land. And they shall bring forth their rich treasures unto the children of Ephraim, my servants. And the boundaries of everlasting hills shall tremble at their presence. And there they shall fall down and be crowned with glory, even in Zion by the hands of the servants of the Lord, even the children of Ephraim. Now, we have reference to this in JST Matthew 21. And in JST Matthew 21, verse 53, and the kingdom of God shall be taken from them, meaning the Jews of Christ's day, and shall be given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof, meaning the Gentiles. This is the restoration of the gospel under Joseph Smith. Wherefore, on whomsoever this stone shall fall, it shall grind him to powder, meaning those who are fig trees with leaves, but no fruit. Christ being the stone. And verse 55, and when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable, wicked men, meaning the husbandman in the vineyard, and will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen, even in the last days who shall render him the fruits in their seasons. And the way that they are able to render unto Christ the fruits in their seasons is the restoration of the new covenant that through entering into the new sacrifice, uh, men and women might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, become Christ's sons and his daughters. And this is what it means to bear fruit, that Christ might lay it up unto himself. And so through these other husbandmen, he restores this knowledge and the heavens are again opened through a new dispensation, the dispensation of the fullness of times. And then understood they the parable which he spake unto them. Now remember the term Gentiles has just been defined in verse 53 as the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then understood they the parable which he spake unto them that the Gentiles should be destroyed also when the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard, which is the earth and the inhabitants thereof. That's because the return of Joseph and the servants aren't taking the message 
of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're taking the message of the Church of Christ, the terrestrial order, and it's only those Latter-day Saints who are willing to enter into the covenant of the terrestrial order and seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that you know, are able to render unto Christ the fruits of their season and um, you know, come under the leadership of Christ and his end-time servants. And all those who will not you know, hear and receive the doctrine of Christ and enter into that covenant, as Christ has just said, they don't make it. And the cleansing begins in the Lord's own house, first among the Latter-day Saints. Back in DNC 133, verse 32. And there in New Jerusalem shall they fall down and be crowned with glory, even in Zion, by the hands of the servants of the Lord, even the children of Ephraim. So again, this is talking about um, the first labors in the last kingdom who labor with Joseph in the restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the leading out on an end time exodus, the strength of the Lord's house and establishing with Enoch and his people, new Jerusalem. And they shall be filled with songs of everlasting joy. Behold, this is the blessing of the everlasting God upon the tribes of Israel and the richer blessings upon the head of Ephraim and his fellows. And they also of the tribe of Judah, after their pain shall be sanctified in holiness before the Lord to dwell in his presence day and night forever and ever. So, you know, again, we've transitioned back to the, the time when Christ comes in the fullness of his glory. And those who are in Jerusalem and those who are in New Jerusalem will dwell in Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, at least in the fullness of his terrestrial glory, because the earth and the inhabitants who make it cannot yet handle the fullness of his celestial glory. Verse 36. And now verily thus saith the Lord that these things might be known among you, O inhabitants of the earth. I have sent forth mine angel flying through the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel who hath appeared unto some and hath committed it unto man who shall appear unto many that dwell on the earth. And this gospel, shall be preached unto every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Now, this is not the missionary effort of the missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is the missionary effort that commences at the day of the end-time exodus. And the servants of God shall go forth, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come calling upon the name of the Lord day and night, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. And it shall be answered upon their heads, for the presence of the Lord shall be as the melting fire that burneth, and as the fire which causeth the waters to boil. O Lord, thou shalt come down to make thy name known to thine adversaries, and all the nations shall tremble at thy presence. When thou doest terrible things, things they look not for. Yea, when thou comest down, 
the mountains flow down at thy presence. Thou shalt meet him who rejoiceth and worketh righteousness, who remembereth thee in thy ways. For since the beginning of the world have not men heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath any eye seen, O God, besides thee, how great things thou hast prepared for him that waiteth for thee. The times which are upon us now and which will culminate in the establishment of New Jerusalem and Christ coming in his glory are events greater than have ever transpired since the beginning of the earth. And all prophets since the creation have looked forward to our day and have marveled at the glory which will exist when they also will return and be with us. Verse 45 again. For since the beginning of the world have not men heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath any eye seen. O God, besides thee, how great things thou hast prepared for him that waiteth for thee. For even though the days of tribulation will be great and harrowing and will cause men's hearts who do not wait upon the Lord to fail them. And yet this great harrowing period will be but a small moment and will be nothing in terms of a price that must be paid for that which is to follow to the faithful. And it shall be said, verse 46, who is this that cometh down from God? In heaven, with dyed garments, yea, from the regions which are not known, clothed in his glorious apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. This is the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. And he shall say, I am he who spake in righteousness, mighty to save. And the Lord shall be red in his apparel, and his garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat. And so great shall be the glory of his presence, that the sun shall hide his face in shame, and the moon shall withhold its light, and the stars shall be hurled from their places. For as Christ comes in his glory, the earth shall be moved from celestial habitation into a terrestrial habitation, and uh, its place in the universe will actually change. Verse 50, and his voice shall be heard. I have trodden the winepress alone and have brought judgment upon all people and none were with me. And I have trampled them in my fury. I did tread upon them in mine anger and their blood have I sprinkled upon the garments and stained all my raiment. For this was the day of vengeance, which was in my heart. And now the year of my redeemed is come and they shall mention the loving kindness of their Lord and all that he has bestowed upon them according to his goodness and according to his loving kindness forever and ever. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them, and he carried them all the days of old. Yea, and Enoch also, and they who were with him, the prophets, who were before him, and Noah also, and they who were before him, and Moses also, and they who were before him. And from Moses to Elijah, and from Elijah to John, 
who are with Christ in his resurrection, and the holy apostles with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob shall be in the presence of the Lamb, and the graves of the saints shall be opened, and they shall come forth and stand on the right hand of the Lamb, when he shall stand upon Mount Zion, upon the holy city, the new Jerusalem, and they shall sing the song of the Lamb, day and night, forever and ever. Now, as pertaining to verses 53 and 54. Verse 53, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and bore them and carried them all the days of old. Let's cross-reference this with Third Nephi chapter 19. And in 3 Nephi 19, we have the account of Christ's apostles, or rather Christ's 12 disciples in the Americas, receiving that which they desired more than anything else. And the thing that they desired more than anything else was the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. 3 Nephi 19 verse 7. And the disciples did pray unto the Father also in the name of Jesus. And it came to pass that they arose and ministered unto the people. And when they had ministered those same words which Jesus had spoken, nothing varying from the words which Jesus had spoken, behold, they knelt and they prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus. And they did pray for that which they desired. And they desired that the Holy Ghost should be given unto them. And at the end of verse 13. The Holy Ghost did fall upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And behold, they were encircled about as if it were by fire, and it came down from heaven. And the multitude did witness it, and did bear record, and angels did come down out of the heavens and did minister unto them. And it came to pass that while the angels were ministering unto the disciples, behold, Jesus came and stood in the midst and ministered unto them. So there are several elements here that when one receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is always fire that comes down from heaven. And it not only encircles the individual who receives it, but it moves through them. And this is the sanctification talked about in DNC 84 that Moses sought to sanctify his people with that they might be prepared to enter into the rest of the Lord. And not only were the 12 disciples surrounded and filled with fire, you know, and that's why it's called the baptism of fire, um, but also angels came down and administered to them. And at the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, in addition to fire coming down from heaven, angels always come down and also minister. And even Jesus Christ came personally and ministered unto them. Even so does he to us. For before one can receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, Christ literally must pleads one case with the Father and receive permission from Father to adopt us as his sons or his daughters which he had already done for the 12 disciples and which he now does for those Nephites who will, as the disciples did, 
enter into the full terms of the covenant that he had extended to them in third Nephi chapter nine, verse 20. And so significant an event was the 12 disciples, baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost, that Christ separated himself from them. And he knelt down upon the ground and he cried out unto his father and thanked him. Verse 19, and it came to pass that Jesus departed out of the midst of them and went a little way off from them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given the Holy Ghost unto these whom I have chosen. And it is because of their belief on me that I have chosen them out of the world. Father, I pray thee that thou wilt give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe in their words. Father, thou hast given them the Holy Ghost because they believe in me. Thou seest that they believe in me because thou hearest them. And they pray unto me. And they pray unto me because I am with them. And now, Father, I pray unto thee for them. And also for those who shall believe on their words, that they may believe in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me that we may be one. And then again in verse 27, and he turned away from them again and went a little way off and bowed himself to the earth. And he prayed again unto the father saying, father, I thank thee that thou hast purified those whom I have chosen because of their faith, meaning the 12 disciples through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I pray for them and also for them who shall believe on their words, that they may be purified in me, or that they also might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, through faith on their words, even as they are purified in me. Father, and now Christ declares again words which he spoke in Gethsemane. And this has direct reference to what we were reading in DNC 133. Father, I pray not for the world, but for those whom thou hast given me out of the world. Now, who are they whom the Father has given Christ out of the world? Those who have taken upon them his name through offering up the full sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and their for having Christ extend his name to them. These are they whom Father has given Christ out of the world. So, as Christ cried out unto God in Gethsemane, while the first 25% of the suffering and atonement that he experienced did in fact overcome sin and death, the remaining portion was literally the power that he gained to extend his hand to those who would become his sons and his daughters, that they might become his sons and his daughters. And then that if they would grab hold of his hand, he might lift them up to where he is. Father, I pray not for the world, but for those whom thou hast given me out of the world because of their faith, that they may be purified in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be in one, that I may be glorified in them. So back in DNC 133. 
So again, in verse 53, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. Now this redemption is talking about the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Those who would become adopted as his sons and his daughters. And the power he gained to redeem by being able to adopt sons and daughters through the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, after pleading their case with Father and receiving permission from Father. And the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them. And he carried them all the days of old. Yea, and Enoch also. So, in other words, the doctrine of Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only was it the gospel of Jesus Christ that Christ taught during his mortal ministry and that was restored to Joseph Smith during his first ministry and is restored again to Joseph during his second ministry, but it is the gospel that commenced with Adam. In fact, if we go to Moses chapter six, verse 64, and it came to pass when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, that Adam cried out unto the Lord and he was caught away by the spirit of the Lord and was carried down into the water and was laid under the water. And he was brought forth out of the water and thus was baptized and the Spirit of God descended upon him, and thus he was born of the Spirit and became quickened in the inner man. And he heard a voice out of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from henceforth and forever. Thou art after the order of him who is without beginning of days or end of years. Because with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, as one becomes Christ's Son or his daughter, one becomes a member of that order, which is without beginning of days or end of years, from all eternity to all eternity. Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God. And that is when we become Christ's sons and his daughters, at the baptism of fire, baptism of the Ghost. And thus may all become my sons. Amen. So going back to DNC 133, partway through 53, he redeemed them. He bore them. He carried them all the days of old. Yea, and Enoch also, and they who were with him, the prophets who were before him, and Noah, and also they who were before him, and Moses also, and they who were before him. And from Moses to Elijah, and from Elijah to John, who were with Christ in his resurrection, and the holy apostles with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob shall be in the presence of the Lamb. And the graves of all the saints shall be opened, and they shall come forth and stand on the right hand of the Lamb, when he shall stand upon Mount Zion, and upon the holy city, the new Jerusalem, and they shall sing the song of the Lamb day and night forever and ever. Now, the graves of the saints talked about 
are what is discussed in DNC 76 when the term the spirits of just men made perfect. Um, spirits of just men made perfect are those who have ascended to the level of a king and a priest, a queen and a priestess, but uh, are not on the earth at the time of Christ coming in his glory, but they are rex- resurrected uh, to that translated uh, terrestrial glory and are caught up with Christ to come down with him. For for this cause, that men might be made partakers, verse 57, of the glories which were to be revealed, the Lord sent forth the fullness of his gospel. The fullness of his gospel is the doctrine of Christ, which is contained in the Book of Mormon. It is the path of ascension. It is the new covenant, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into his rest. The Lord sent forth the fullness of his gospel, his everlasting covenant, broken heart and contrite spirit, baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Reasoning in plainness and in simplicity, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most simple thing in the universe. And it's simply this, submitting our will to Father's will, entering into the new covenant, receiving the terms of a broken heart, contrite spirit by revelation, and then being obedient to all the words of God. Whatever level of ascension one is at, that is how one goes to the next level of ascension. Verse 58, to prepare the weak things for those things which are to come on the earth and for the Lord's errand in the day when the weak shall confound the wise and the little one become a strong nation and two shall put their tens of thousands to flight. Now, the the key message of the Book of Mormon is represented in, in that um, imagery in First Nephi 1, verse 20, halfway through. But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. You know, we have example after example of example in the Book of Mormon, um, that the difference between victory and destruction, even against an overwhelming foe, is humbling oneself before the Lord, repenting and heeding all of his commandments. And when that is done, the enormity of the foe does not matter, for the Lord God will make those who follow him mighty even unto the power of deliverance. So back in 133, to prepare the weak for those things which are coming on the earth and for the Lord's errand in the day when the weak shall confound the wise and the little one become a strong nation and two shall put their tens of thousands to flight. And by the weak things of the world, the Lord shall thrash the nations by the power of his spirit. And for this cause, these commandments were given. They were commanded to be kept from the world 
in the day that they were given, but now are to go forth upon all flesh or unto all flesh. Again, it's talking about in the generation in which we currently live. The fullness of the doctrine of Christ is to go forth to the people of the whole earth. And this according to the mind and will of the Lord, who ruleth over all flesh. And unto him that repenteth and sanctifieth himself before the Lord shall be given eternal life. All right? This repenting is entering into the new covenant of a broken heart, contrite spirit. The sanctification is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then continuing in the path of ascension until we come into his presence and have our calling election made sure and are able to enter into the gates of New Jerusalem. And unto him who that repenteth and sanctifieth himself before the Lord shall be given eternal life. And upon them that hearken not to the voice of the Lord shall not be fulfilled that which was written by the prophet Moses that they should be cut off from among the people. And also that which was written by the prophet Malachi, for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be a stubble, and the day cometh that shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Therefore, this shall be the answer of the Lord unto them. In that day, when I came unto mine own, no man among you received me, and you were driven out. When I called again, there was none of you to answer. Yet my arm was not shortened at all, that I could not redeem, neither my power to deliver. Now, let's cross-reference 2 Nephi 28. And 2 Nephi 28, Nephi has just enumerated the sins of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if they don't repent of these, the very things that will keep them from going out on the end time exodus and surviving the destructions of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. But finally, verse 32, woe be unto the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gentiles, saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me, for mine arm is lengthened out all the day long. Now, this arm being lengthened out all the day long is Isaiah imagery of the Lord's end time servant, Joseph Smith Jr. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. Going back to DNC 133. Verse 65, wherefore, this shall be the answer of the Lord unto them. In that day, when I came unto mine own, no man among you received me. And as it was with the Jews, so it is with the Latter-day Saints. And we just read, you know, Nephi's commentary about that in Second Nephi 28, 32. And you were driven out. And... In DNC 124, the Lord says to the Latter-day Saints, if you repent and return, I will fight your battles and you will not be smitten and driven. But because we would not, instead of the Lord fighting our battles, we were also smitten and driven. And you were driven out. When I called again, there was none of you to answer. 
Yet my arm was not shortened at all that I could not redeem, neither my power to deliver. For the Lord is again sending his servant, Joseph Smith Jr., with the restoration and to gather out the strength of the Lord's house, starting among the Latter-day Saints and extending to all the peoples of the whole world. Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink and die for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. And this shall ye have of my hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. Behold and lo, there are none to deliver you. For ye obeyed not my voice when I called to you out of the heavens. Now this is speaking specifically to the Latter-day Saints who refuse to enter into the new covenant, who hold doggedly to those who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost and will reject Joseph Smith and the end time servants who come with him. For ye obeyed not my voice when I called to you out of the heavens. Ye believed not my servants. And when they were sent unto you, you received them not. Therefore, or wherefore, they sealed up the testimony and bound up the law, and you were delivered over unto darkness. These shall go away into utter darkness, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Behold, I, behold, the Lord your God has spoken it. Amen. And is a cross-reference. DNC 101, verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue. And it has to continue because it got shut, cut short during Joseph Smith's first ministry. That I may build them up unto my name upon holy places for the time of harvest is come and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore, I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be. Now, these are they who are gathered out on the end time Exodus who go with Joseph and establish new Jerusalem with Enoch and his city and engage in the work of the gathering out of the, of Israel from the four corners of the earth. And then verse 66 are those members of the church who reject the Lord's end time servant and the fullness of the gospel and will not while the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands made strong that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. And among these ranks are those who proclaim the sanctity of UN agenda 2030 the vaccines that are coming and the rejection of the new and everlasting covenant and those who bring it. And we will continue and most likely wrap up our series on the second coming next Monday.